All right. We're grooving. Boom. Moving okay. and grooving. All right. So either this morning or yesterday, time has no meaning, I was watching <laughs> Shit's Creek. Uh, listeners should be aware that this is my first time watching the show, and now I know what it is that I'm missing. Um, or Swear what words. I've been missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you say? I said swear words will happen, yeah. but it's very late, and it's in reference to a TV show title. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> we'll get there. Go yeah, ahead. We'll get there. Uh, so I, I'm into season six. I'm coming to the conclusion of my first time through, and oh. I was watching the episode when Alexis wants to be find ways to be closer to Ted, so she buys the turtle, <laughs> and, and then... The uh, t- the turtle, the Ted. Because, the Ted. because Ted, Ted is on the Galapagos Islands. Exactly, yes. because right. Ted is on the Galapagos now. And so Ted, the turtle, not turtle, the Ted, um, <laughs> he wanders away from her. And she's in the cafe talking to Twyla. And she says, the world's slowest animal managed to escape from me. I don't think that's a good sign. <laughs> oh. there, it, I just thought... In the watching of it, it really um, made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious. And I think it also just kind of feels like emblematic of my life right now. Like, my life is the turtle. And it just has managed to escape from me. Wait, where? I don't know. I was Wait, just trying I, to I make it. I have questions. I have questions about temporality. More meaningful <laughs> than just this funny thing that Alexa said about a turtle. I love it, Can though. We... Time has no meaning, and then, but life is recorded as time, and <laughs> life has gotten away from you despite it being slow. There's just a lot happening. There is there's <laughs> too it. much happening here. I think we shouldn't think too that and about it. And we're just going to start calling your life from here on out, Ted. Mm-hmm. Whenever we refer Ted the to turtle. Ted the, the external turtle. narrative that is your life, it'll be, yes, yes Ted. Ted is really yep. fucking shit up right now. <laughs> Moving and grooving, as Steph said. <laughs> Ted, Ted's moving and grooving. grooving. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> look at him go. Oh, look at him. <laughs> yep. Maybe we should all get turtles. That actually could work because Kit would eat. Don't say because they're slow and can't escape. (laughs) That was where my head went. I was like, "Well, I feel like (laughs) there's enough space in my little house for this turtle. He could just stay on the first. Never mind. Yeah, Kit is gonna eat that turtle. No, it has Uh it has a shell. They could have great time together. The turtle." The turtle could be defense mode, and Kit could just like bat him around. This let's I let's move forward. You're envisioning <laughs> you're envisioning the scene in the Swan Princess when uh, Speed like, yes. pulls in his arms and legs, and they like they play hockey with him. Basically. They play hockey with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh no! Oh, yeah. The turtle's name is Speed. Speed the turtle. Yep. All right. Yeah. Right up there with Ted. Right up there with Ted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. MVP turtles in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will go ahead and wait, wait, take us wait, off. Wait, wait, what? before we go, I just want to ask you, Sydney, which character was the hardest for you to get to like on the show? Hmm. Oh. 
That's a good question. I would say in the first season. So I would say Alexis is, has become my favorite character, but she was the hardest for me to really get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as the show went on, although I love and appreciate Moira, I don't necessarily feel that I connect with her quite as much. Uh, though I, I oh, love, God. I love, of course, that her you know humor is more cerebral. I love when she just goes, Alexa. <laughs> like John (laughs) Steph what do you think are the chances that Moira Rose could introduce our our second half of this season whoa whoa Uh, I'll have to get in touch with her through the mirror love it (laughs) yeah just see what she thinks about that I mean that sounds super fun not that you know I'll get my reps in if we want to go super crazy we could get Julie and Moira Rose but Ooh. You know, you, you could de- oh you my can decide. Well, you know, I'll have to get in touch with their um, agents. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, do be in touch. Yeah, I'll, I'll send out some emails between now and then. Have their people contact your people, or uh, rather, right. our right people. Yes, our people yes, contact like, your, their people. I can't speak today. This is going to go well. It bodes well. I mean, it's just a podcast. You don't need to speak. It was proposed that we all sit here in nap time. Yeah. yeah. As, our, as our season wrap-up. Yeah, I'm still not hating that idea, but... <laughs> we already did existential crisis, so we could just nap time. We could just do nap time. Yeah. Did we existential crisis already? How did I miss did it? We... No, oh, no, I meant in that one no, no, episode previous. where we yeah. talked about the nature of oh. souls and temporality. Oh, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My well, body lies well, over perhaps... the ocean. Yeah, My perhaps body I will transition us to saying that... If you must. No? Yes. If, if I must. I will transition us to saying that this is not an existential crisis or nap time. In fact, it's it is. always existential crisis and nap time. Theoretically, a podcast. <laughs> I've never been awake. <laughs> a podcast about YA fiction for adults both young and older. Sydney, you stole my line. I was going to do the podcast for both it. young and older. <laughs> I put it in the <laughs> chat. You said oh, I was no. going to introduce it. All right. You go ahead. We'll just edit mine out. Well, no, it's done already. You did it so well. You could do it even better. Steph, go that ahead. means you're up. Fuck. <laughs> oh, there will be spoilers and swear words. <laughs> did it. Nailed it. Did a home run. Super fresh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Super fresh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Like it, right? Well, Jane, um, I think the only thing left is to introduce to ourselves. Yeah, gonna do. Mm-hmm. Introduce ourselves. Oh, right. We gotta do that. I could do that. I am Sam. I'm Steph. I'm Sydney. Hello. And I was gonna say hello. I was gonna say Sam. Hi. You could kind of give people a sense of what we're gonna be doing today. Oh, I'd much rather do the tagline. What we are, we are, <laughs> we're here today to. You know what? We are here today. We're here today. Period. You know? Yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> I am here. And that's... Never been more okay in my entire life. The start of life. a David Foster Wallace novel. Um, ah. Okay. Yes. We are here today to discuss, in terms we will discover as we go, the first half of our season on Shadow and Bone. Things that have caught us. Things that are 
bugging us from the last episodes or uh, have questions that remain for us. Basically, I'm interested in what you guys are thinking about. Mm-hmm. How far we have come and where we shall go after this. So, Sydney, I know you have I know you have some thoughts on yeah. the love triangle. We started this um the first half of our season on Shadow and Bone by discussing the various points of our love triangle in the form of Mal, the Darkling, and Delina. So I'm interested in uh, your wrap-up on the love triangle and its individual... Does a triangle have points? Is that my... Is it a... A triangle does have yes. points. Yes. Yes, right? Yes. Yeah. A, a, a triangle right. has... Unless, you, unless it's a circle. A triangle has <laughs> multiple centers and three points. Okay. Great. We Use your words, Steph. Essential mathematical Whoa. concepts. Don't. Yeah, I don't want to get into geometry. <laughs> Unless it's like Lovecraftian non-Euclidean. Which is, this is sounding like it, actually. Okay, that's, okay. That's great. We have a, like a non-Euclidean uh, spherical structure happening here. Yeah. Uh, Mal. Alina and the Darkling are swirling in an eldritch vortex <laughs> into the ocean and reemerging years later on the back of a turtle named Ted. In this that podcast. we could all yeah. be so lucky. If only. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, Cindy, take so us on the back of your turtle love to a love triangle. Well, yeah, take us on your turtle. So currently, I'm trying to think of what would be the name for. Ted. Blending all three of them together. And I think it would be Malining. Malarking. Mal, Alina, Darkling, Malarking. Malining? Malarking? Malarking. Right? Because instead of Malina, it's Malining. Or Malarking. I like that too. That sounds like Malarkey. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Biden reporting in. Anyway, Joe Biden reporting in. Um, Okay, so I think the first thing that I wanted to do was, with a little bit of space and time in between me and our initial recordings, and then refreshing my my memory of them. Don't you rewrite history. I'm not rewriting history. You're fresh-faced and and just so dewy-eyed in those initial episodes, just... I just want just to, warms my heart. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge slash confirm that Mal is in fact a great partner for Alina. And that Sam raised an excellent point when we talked about Mal that, you know, she actually likes spending time with him. And that's perhaps a significant marker <laughs> of the success of their relationship. Sometimes it isn't. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to say, yes, that Mal is a great partner. I think the thing about him that is frustrating in the TV series, and and I don't unfortunately know that this will be alleviated in the books, though perhaps in later books, is that he's just not fleshed out right he's just i mean we sort of talked about this he's not he's just not as fleshed out as one would want him to be do you sorry really... do you mean in the in the books and the show you think 
Definitely, uh, I definitely in the initial books, um, yeah, j- you know, jury's out on the later books, but I think in the show, I guess it's just you know kind of what we talked about. Like they just don't make him alluring enough to kind of stand up to you know the alluring mm-hmm. the darkling. I think as mm-hmm. a character, and so this is. I mean, Archie did, Archie Renault does a great job with what he's got. What he's got. I just think that they do such an incredible job of crafting the Darkling as a compelling, interesting, frustrating, sexy, whatever kind of character you want to call him. And he's not that way in the first book. You know, he's he's really not, as we'll see, all that interesting. He's really not even all that present uh, in the book. So they did a, so they did a lot of work in tran you know translating from the books to the tv show to make him a heartthrob and i hope that in season two of the tv series they will maybe take some opportunities to develop mal more or just sort of you know bring him to the fore more to make him sort of a more attractive option a more compelling option i don't know yeah well, I also feel like they're, like, not on the same... They're not working with the same base materials, right? Like, the Darkling has got a big-ass cape and a black horse, and, like, he's got a kingdom, and he's got all this right. darkness. Like, Mal right. has got, like, a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I, they're, I've been thinking about this a lot because the the uh, there's something about... I keep coming back to this question of, like, why I... Why I am more interested in the darkling and i Mm. think it has something to do with like why i go to fiction currently which is not to like think through Mm. i don't know potentially healthy relationships like i.e malalina although Mm. we'll get to what happens in the books later um it's more to think through like i just want to go on a fun fantasy horseback ride you know, take me through the twists and turns. Um, right. But I think in terms of Alina's character, from a storytelling perspective, like, they're... From... If our our point of view is really focalized through Alina as a character, and Mal represents her past, right? Like, he right. is this anchor that... And her the past that she um, is suddenly taken out of when she discovers that she is the sun summoner and the the darkling represents in some senses her her future her possible future um and obviously they mediate that in more nuanced ways as the show goes on but i think there's also something compelling about like you know what the past looks like you you lived it you've been there you know what it's like but there's something compelling about this the possibility the dangers right. the you know all of the stuff that yeah. comes with the future is un is com- kind of unwritten oh god i hate that song <laughs> i love that really song well because of easy a <laughs> which <laughs> you know doesn't hold up 100 percent in uh right. 2020 no. well, i watched it in 2021 but anyways yeah that's i that's my thought on that that the darkling is not only like played by ben barnes He's he also represents I think yeah this this broader field yeah. of the unknown and and the future possibilities right. for her mm-hmm. yeah really well said. not all of which are good uh, as we've as we've discussed and know well 
from life and other yes. things. Yes, bringing it in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's very well said, Sam. And I think spot on. I suppose I'm still left thinking that I hope that maybe there will be a way for them to make the known just a little bit more compelling. Simply because, ugh, it's just... Well, they have to give him something to do besides be Alina's rock. Right. And tracker. And tracker. Right. Always hunting her down. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. the, the primary relationship there is just his relationship to her. And that's fine and, and good, but, like, that's entity. past. He's, yeah, the known entity yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Give Archie Renault, uh, writers, give Archie Renault something to do. Yeah, give him yeah. more to do, <laughs> give him, please. Give him a purpose Give the life. man and, and something to do. while you're at it, write me one, too. That would be great. <laughs> I turn to fiction so I see people with purpose. So give one to Ooh, I love that. I love options. that. Yeah, it's a uh, that's my my undercurrent for enjoying fiction. So then d- are you do you gravitate towards characters that have a very clear purpose or do you gravitate Absolutely. towards characters who are hmm. who are questioning or trying to find or fumbling or stumbling with purpose? Uh, a bit of both. If the latter, it has to be not so much, like not too mm-hmm. much, because that gets a little too close to home. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I almost sounded like Moira for a second. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Embrace it. Anytime Moira wants um, to show up, I would love to see her. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but mostly the former, because, I mean, without waxing too existential, because we've already done that, I guess, um, just living through life looking for a purpose you can read about it you can see a character who actually has one and it's usually these uh female characters who are like gonna save the damn world Mm -hmm. you know those are the things that i dreamed of doing when i was a kid Mm -hmm. um and still you know as an adult looking for ways that i can try and accomplish that just not on like a world or universal scale maybe it's you know smaller things like make someone feel better today um but when i can read about those characters who have like a driving sense of purpose like why do you wake up in the morning for some people it can be because you have to feed a dog or a cat uh in these books it's also like i gotta save the world it's it's falling apart it's going on fire someone's trying to destroy it and that's great you have that driving sense of purpose also like i'm playing um horizon forbidden west right now horizon zero dawn's basically my favorite game Mm. if not closely tied with other games Um, where Aloy, the main character, has to save the world. And the second game, the sequel that just recently came out, she has so many sequences where she has just been injured and she's trying to stand to get up and move. And all of her friends are saying, you got to stop, you got to heal. And she has such a deep core interest in saving the world that she refuses to sleep Hmm. and heal. So it's like that driving sense of purpose that, you know, it's compelling to me of someone really trying to make a difference um, which I, I don't know what else to say without getting. How does that make you feel about Alina as a character? Because she she has a driving purpose. I feel like, but it's not the one that is save the world. Like she's she's reticent to take on for for good reasons. She's reticent to take on this this purpose that exists beyond the sphere of her relationship with Mal. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm constantly annoyed. By her. I think I've talked about it a little bit before, and if not, it's worth reiterating. She is. I also have qualms about my own thoughts about this, oh, and I've talked about this with friends. I, I want to hear previously. it. Let's get into it. All right, let's get out. Let's do it. it. Alina to me is verging too much at times on the passive heroine, mm-hmm. um, where things happen to her and she must kind of react subtly react. Versus the active heroine, who is like someone like Aloy, um, getting out there and doing the things because that is the purpose. Um, I can think of Game of Thrones. This is where I've had conversations mm. with friends before. I love Arya's mm-hmm. character, at least in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus Sansa, mm-hmm. where Sansa is more of the passive role in the beginning, where things are happening to her, she's suffering. But she suffers with strength. Um, She's willing to wait for it, as Lynn manuel says. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Lynn. Um, Yeah, so having the uh, female character be passive, having things happen to her and see how she reacts is something that I tend to not enjoy as much, and I think Alina does that often in at least this first season. I'd like to see her become more active um, versus the heroine who is that active character, who is an agent of their own design trying to change the world. Um, I I find the active one to be more compelling and what I want to read about because that's more like what I want to be like, I think, Mm. versus the passive. There is strength in passivity, though. That's what I want to say is... In previous conversations, sometimes that is the position that you're thrust into. Right. And there's strength in persevering through that position. But when I'm reading a fiction, I want it to be the yeah. active one. Mm. I want her out there and just fucking wrecking it, you know? Because that's <laughs> what I want in my own life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that's really interesting that alongside Alina's reticence. Because I really feel like she's trying to slow down and or stop the things that are right. happening to her. Yeah. Um, whereas it sounds like a character in, in as you've defined the active position is the one who is trying to speed up events by like participating or and or creating the plot moving forward. Yeah. Um Yeah. There oh, if I could oh go ahead. There's um one sequence, I'm trying not to spoil anything from Horizon Forbidden West, but there's one moment in the game where you can make a decision. And I made the decision that I wanted to make in my own life, but would never actually do. Where um, you are engaging with politics, trying to get through this particular area, you have to have um, permission to pass through. And you go up to the leader, the commander of this um, uh, transition space, and they're saying, you can't go out right now, you have to wait. And your character Aloy is like, I gotta fucking do the things, because the world needs saving. And in my own life, I would be like, okay, yeah, I'll wait. And they give you the option on the screen, wait or go anyway. Mm-hmm. And I sat there for a good 30 seconds thinking like, sh- I, I, I think I really should wait. That's, that's what I would do mm-hmm. in real life. This commander is telling me to wait, so he probably knows. And I went, fuck it, no, <laughs> go anyway. And then the game let me do that, which was great. Um, so I don't, that's, me wanting to be in these fictions. It took me 30 seconds to get into that too, though, because with the video game, I'm like, I'm always thinking about agency in video games, but 
That's what I want to do in real life is be like, fuck it. No, I need to do this. So get out of my way. But in real life, you'd be like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Passive versus active. Yeah, there. I think that's so I'm interesting. Very passionate about that. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you two see Alina as more of a passive character overall? Or are there glimmers of agency? Do you find her annoying more often than not? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I definitely see her as someone who doesn't relish being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And she's in a she's being put into a save the world position and i don't think it's that she wants the world to burn uh and doesn't want to yeah doesn't want to save the world but she dislikes that it rests solely on her right that's why she you know says well can't you do this you know to the darkling sort of early on um and I think that's why, as, you know, Sam was saying in the previous episode, you know, she gets strength from Mal because she has his companionship, right? We're stronger, you know, when we're part of a community, when we're part of a pack, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. than, than when we're on our own. And that's particularly the case for Alina when she's taken out of the con- the only context she has known and mm-hmm. thrust into something that's entirely different. I think that... She is allowed to be... Well, I think that the scene on the skiff is a turning point for her character. Tell us a little bit more about that one, Sydney. Just like one or two sentences. Jog jog my brain. (laughs) In that uh, she, you know, she claims her power and says, I'm not going to let you take this from me. At the very end of the season. At the very end of the season. And um, she, you know... Yeah, prevents the Darkling from using it against her and Mm -hmm. fully claims it as her own and begins to really fight back and so stand up and stand up for what it is that she believes. Mm. I so I see that as a turning point both in and that's present both in the TV series and then in the books. Um, And then I think that in books two and three, I hope we'll get to talk about ways in which she's maybe allowed to be more active or Mm -hmm. decides to become more Mm -hmm. active. But yes, I think that I think that for the majority of what we've seen so far, she she's passive, and I wonder if partly she's passive because she has undergone this massive transition, and so the ground beneath her has shifted so dramatically that she's having to reorient herself and find her bearings again. Um, yeah. That that could it could be that on the one hand. Or it could be, yeah, that she's someone who found has found herself, you know, thrust into the, this position of power, and it, and it takes her a while to accept that she, in a way, has no choice but to take up the mantle. I'm also yeah, thinking, I'm, too, about the, the scene with the stag, Sydney. I think you brought this up in a previous episode um, where she gets to do it her way. You know, Mal, right. Mal is okay with her doing yeah. it her way, whereas the Darkling... No way, Jose. Like, right, my way or the highway. Exactly. Um, right. And it, I, there's something, well, this is, in the books, I think it's a little bit different. I don't think that yeah. she makes that call. I think Mal makes the call. So mm. the show, all that to say, I think the show is trying to find ways to make her more of a decision maker. Right. Um, 
which I appreciate. Interesting. I also mm-hmm. wonder, Steph, if your irritation, we've talked a little bit about YA as being someone growing into their own power and embracing yeah. it, and maybe that your irritation yep. stems mm-hmm. from what feels like Alina just like putting on the brakes and like not being able to come into that power. To which I guess my only thought is that and I'm interested in, in what you guys think about this for Alina, for how you read her for yourselves. Like that there is a difference here in in this series between power and strength. And that Alina's reticence to embrace her son's summoning powers, I don't know, it, it might be different than her finding strength within certain relationships. I haven't really, I haven't teased it out further than that, but I think that the show is interested in making a distinction between Between the two. her, between her disinterest in claiming power, mm-hmm. but her interest in strengthening. I was going to say Yeah, I, I chose strength. strength. <laughs> I chose strength, but it, we could, you could name it whatever it's right. it's some kind of it directionality, right? That's the true north. Mm-hmm. This kind right. of guiding or grounding force, and right. in opposition to the way that the darkling seeks via manipulation to disorient her for his own uses. Um, that in so in some ways she is. I guess what I'm trying to say is in some ways maybe Alina. Mm is moving against this narrative of embracing power, one's power throughout the arc of the YA, while also being able to embrace something. I mean, she is embracing something, right? She's, which is this kind of nebulous sort of like strength thing that I'm leaning towards that she's, but like, yeah, please. Like really quickly trying to, so we can define the terms, so we can talk about it. it. Cause I'm really interested in parsing power from strength. Mm -hmm. So, in this paradigm, are we thinking power as having power over others, as we've talked about throughout the series? Is that something fair to say? And strength would be something like uh, an inner strength um, or strength in community, not necessarily having power over people, but kind of um, becoming um, something greater than yourself. Is that what I you was mean? thinking about power just in terms of her ability to sun summon, and therefore all of the oh, okay. all of the things that is all the things that are asked of her as a result, as opposed to the connections that she ends up strengthening and then new characters are introduced later that she will that she will form bonds with. That she she does have an, a character arc, but it's not perhaps the the familiar embrace your power, i.e. your sun summoning abilities in order to become most yourself. Does that make sense? Like there's something about, well, maybe we should, maybe we should pin this. Um, no, I, I think it's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> Steph, no! Uh, wait. Put the brakes on me, Steph. Put the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> no pinning. Because um, if, if we're, we did talk about power, mm-hmm. um, allowing your power um, into your allow, have you thought about allowing power into your life? Um, 
I'm uh, I'm working through the uses of the erotic Audre Lorde's uh, essay, and uh, so that is fresh on the brain uh-huh. right now. Whoa! Oh. Yeah. Um, power, like the sun summoning power, is allowing herself to be her full self versus, or versus slash and strength is being herself with others. Mm-hmm. So like the community strength mm-hmm. and power is something that comes from within. Mm-hmm. If you accept oneself, you can become more than yourself. And if you accept others into yourself, you can become more than yourself. I feel like that may be like seven different versions of power and strength <laughs> all wrapped up in a, a delicious Gordian knot. Um, the Gordian knot of I, life. <laughs> of life. Because I think Alina does, she is struggling to accept her power. Mm. She struggles to accept herself, therefore. Um, and we talked about how Bagra is attempting to make that happen mm-hmm. in painful mm-hmm. ways. Um, and we see her strength increase throughout the TV series um, when she's letting other people into her life, like Jenya, even though that turns out differently than expected. Yeah. Um, she discovers strength in Mal in various ways that we've talked about um, more so uh, than romantically. Um, she accepts the darkling into herself, which again turns out differently than expected. But it's like letting these different agents into your life mm. adds strength to character. So I, th- I think that's interesting. But then it's also contradicted by. I mean, I I like that on the one hand, and I think it's borne no, out. Turn the screw, by Sydney. Certain, by certain aspects, but then how how <laughs> this is a genuine question. How do we reconcile that with Bagra, whose technique and it works is to isolate Alina from both Mal and the Darkling. Right, yeah. right. Well, also, I my initial gut thought is that, like, mm-hmm. that is a... That is also a tool of manipulation in that mm-hmm. she needs Alina to be strong enough on her to own. counteract the Darkling. Right. On right. her own, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, like, a making her appreciate herself. Right. By completely cutting her off from outside. Right. She's the she is that rock island. And a rock Woo. feels no pain. Yeah. And an island <laughs> never cries. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> Sorry. It's a SpongeBob. I'm Patrick. <laughs> oh, I I no, hear you. I'm Patrick. <laughs> so anyway, Patrick is an isolated rock. What do you think? <laughs> Sydney's life is Ted and Patrick is an isolated rock. Yeah. yeah, but you're right, Sydney. Like that version of finding yourself is deeply problematic. Right. Um, we talked about the pain mechanic a little bit. Like how and why are we presented with that as something that works yeah. to make you realize yourself? Yeah. The suffering of existing builds character. <laughs> right. Well, in my head, it's not. This isn't dissonant with what I'm thinking. Like I have been, I've been okay. struggling with this pain mechanic because I think I'm trying right. to reconcile the prevalence of this pain mechanic with my understanding of the YA trope, which is that heroine embraces Uh, her power hmm. and in doing so becomes stronger and a, you know, a better version of herself, which usually in some capacity helps save the world. But so I've been trying to reconcile this trope with like, but it's really damaging to or painful. It's, it's difficult for her and not in like, in always a like working hard is difficult kind of a way 
right you know like it's yeah there's some there's some component that I just that I just can't quite reconcile with this trope mm. narrative trope yeah it's not a pleasant one and I don't know I I would love there to be a fiction that is just she finds all of her strength in others and I bet you there is one but then <laughs> I have to zoom out and be like well all human life is suffering though isn't it <laughs> You got to have that in there. Otherwise, it won't seem real enough to be a fiction. <laughs> That's my skeptical take. Yeah. But I, I would like to see or recognize, because I'm sure there's something, I just can't think of it, where the heroine gets the strength from others solely rather than, yeah. you know, growing up in pain, alone. A, a lot of times they're born as orphans mm-hmm. who have gone through suffering at a very young age and are abused. So... Uh, yeah, I'm interested in that too. Why is that such a maybe? Trope? I mean, maybe what it is is this is to need to take us back to your example is that like, so the sun summoning is inherent to her. It's not something that exists outside of her. It's something that she has to now that it's a thing mm-hmm. that she knows about mm-hmm. to grapple with, and it's it's about her learning to to come to terms with herself on her own terms. So I'm right. thinking about this mm-hmm. the example you brought up of the skiff, which is her yeah. not only exercising healthy boundaries <laughs> right. with the darkling, um, but but choosing to use her power the way that she wants to. Well, the other thing that I was sort of thinking about for our malarking group (laughs) is the okay the episode uh, I believe episode seven in which the darkling has melded the antlers into Alina's collarbone Mm. and the two of them are having their (laughs) hostile tete-a-tete in the tent I was gonna say tete-a-tete whoa Sydney! Mind meld. Um, Wavelength. Yes, so they're having their meld tete-a-tete in, in the tent. Yeah. And she says, we could have had this, we could have had all of this, but you never, you know, gave me a chance or, or something like that. And I think maybe when I brought that up, maybe Sam was saying, well, no, like it was never, there was never really a possibility because everything has to always be on his terms. And I suppose I just have been thinking... I've been thinking about the ways in which the show makes it evident that Mal and Alina are a match, Mm. right? Like the scar on their hands, you know, and she says we match Mm -hmm. and the ways that they fit together. And one of the things that I will be really interested in talking about and exploring when we get to the books is maybe a little bit more of the ways in which Alina and the Darkling possibly fit together because what I think they do a better job of in the TV series is showing how alluring he is and uh, how intoxicating it is to be, you know, with someone who is like him and has his power and responsibilities and, and things like that. But And Barnes' great hair. Yeah, oh God, the hair <laughs> and the welling of the tears in his eyes and and various things his kissing his cranky so nostril so flares forth. 
Yep, we could we could go on. This could happen for a while, <laughs> for a while on the podcast. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's. Yes. Um. So yes. <laughs> Move on so from they, Dunbar. <laughs> what I what I'm what actually you know upon listening back to you know some of our previous episodes that I'm not sure they do as good of a job of is showing how the Darkling and Alina would potentially fit together the way that Mal and Alina do. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about that when we get to the books, because I do think that in the books, they are portrayed as potentially fitting together. And so what the fundamental, the fundamental question I think that Alina really faces is that her, like her different options bring out different parts of her. But she fits which, with each of them, and so the question that she has to answer is which parts of her does she want to cultivate? Hmm. And I think that that is huh. more interesting than just, like, the Darkling's a bad guy and Mal's a good guy. And, you know, so if we want the world not to end in a giant fold, she has to choose Mal. I think it's it's more it's interesting. A nuclear <laughs> option. Context. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's more interesting for her point. to think about, you know, which parts of myself do I want to cultivate and like, and which parts do I like better, even if I recognize that I actually have all of these parts to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I'm curious about what the show is going to do with Ben Barnes in the second season. Yeah. In part yeah, because too. of the second book. So, right. yes. Well, I would say, I think we can leave this little teaser mm, for tease uh, away. listeners slash Steph um, <laughs> that <laughs> the Darkling is not nearly as present in book two as he is in, in the season flesh. one. Yes. Yes. If we're just talking about airtime and things like that. However, the only, the, the reason this does not perturb me is that he also is not nearly as present in book one as he is in <laughs> season one of the TV show. So yeah, I too await with bated breath the ways in which they will keep BB's screen time where it needs to be. I'm sure they'll do it. Yeah. I'm sure they'll figure out a way because Oh yeah. Every episode. You, you got I mean he'll yeah, minutes. he'll have to be yeah. he'll have to be front and center. I'm kind of hoping, and this is just like a wild, a wild hope, but I'm, I'm hoping that they'll find a way to pair him with the crows because mm-hmm. as we've discussed in our crow episode, the crows feel just wildly adrift from the shores of <laughs> relevance a lot of times. Um, and it's such a nice way to put the shores of relevance. (laughs) I, and I love it. I'm, as we all know, I'm a big Crows fan. Um, but it would be interesting to see the the writers come up with a way to combine. They don't, I mean, they don't have to be on the same side. They could be antagonistic, but it would be interesting for them to find a way to have their paths cross in a more significant way. I think it would be interesting the kaz darkling confrontation was yeah. very intriguing yeah because they're a little bit alike but a little bit a lot of bit different exactly depending on and where so, you fall on Cass. yeah exactly yeah so i think yeah. that that would be i think that would be a really fresh and sort of exciting pairing 
or yeah, confrontation. And we still, I mean, do we technically understand the mechanics of how Kaz escaped? He just had like, yeah. Do we? It, it'll, it'll, flash I, it'll come. I think it's a thing that gets not really explained, but is okay. a is a feature of the crow's duology. There's an answer oh. to be had elsewhere. Oh. It it yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I can wait. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, because right because that was that was also that was really interesting. Well, I think for me, are we all gonna be? Sh- are we gonna sh- be shocked by this? No, I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. If you know, if you hate the Darkling, because everything I have to say is then probably so odious to you. But <laughs> 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 just very, it was right. It was interesting to see the Darkling's reaction to that because he you know, does the cut and is like, how the hell did he, how the hell did this guy in a hat escape from me? And so, yeah, it really, it put him on the back foot and he is not used to really ever being on the back foot. Even when he's hunting down Alita and Mal, he still thinks that he is not on the back foot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he isn't to an extent because it's always easier to hunt than it is to be chased. Yeah. Well, and also we'll get introduced in the second season and the second book to one of the only characters who is able to put him on the back foot. Mm. Um, oh. Yeah. So, thanks to look Teased. forward to. Uh, color me teased. Mm. <laughs> 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 Don't think too hard about that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sydney, final thoughts on the um, love triangle? <sighs> Yeah, but but I worry that I can't. I worry that I can't say anything that is going to be helpful or productive without giving too much away. I suppose I want to be able to think about what it means to be with a friend, to be with a partner, whatever, and to change and to change over time and to change one's mind and to still fit together or to still want to fit together and so have to kind of figure out how you do fit together now that things are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I want to be able to talk about Alina's knowledge about her Grisha power before she's discovered to be the Sun Summoner. Mm-hmm. That is what I really want to do, but I we can't do that until... So we will do it. We've all read the books. We'll so we will do it later. Do it. We can't do it yet. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, I love that. that's, I think, all I can say. Cool. Steph, any hot takes on the love triangle? (laughs) It's not a circle. It's not a circle. (laughs) It has points. Um, It has points, like me. Maybe I'm a circle. To be clear, I Um, was more... (laughs) I was more trying to query if I had the right term (laughs) for the the things that go on the ends of triangles. No, no, no. It's going to be... Triangles had points. <laughs> I see. Rather than are like the cold, cold edges or something like that. As opposed to, right, like not being yeah. able to conceptualize the shape. <laughs> I, like, I like to pretend that this one. This is where my head is at. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, final thoughts on it? I guess just through my interest in agency. Yeah. Just to see how much agency she's given even in that yeah. positionality yeah. in the books. Yeah. If there's any, if she's more of a passive, just on different boats of ships, mm. romant- 
ships. Oh, she's on the ships. Friendships. She's ships. on all the ships. We, she's the on ships. the twisted they ships. They list the gross. ships. Ships. Listen, it's a Bermuda Triangle. Bermuda Triangle of ships. Yeah. And I want to know if she disappears in it or makes the perimeter and outlines it herself. Or just crashes into the middle and no one sees her ever again. Crashes. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's right. Yeah. 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 So I want to. I want to see how she is actually, or not actually, engaging yeah. in these ships. Mm. I almost did it again. Do it. Eyes. Do it. Look to the black ship. Yes. Okay. Ooh. There you go. Um, we can cut that. No. <laughs> Never. Any final thoughts on your end there, Sam? Mm. Oh, wait. On Zitzango? Take it. Mm, oh. This is just something I have to say. And this has to go in the recording. I really apologize it. to listeners for the number of times I say, this is my favorite line of the series. No, or, no, it's a, it's this a Sydney thing. This is my favorite thing. part of the series because... Like uh, me not knowing what shapes are. <laughs> I'm just so sorry for the number of times I said that. And I hope that no one developed a drinking game from it because it will, you'll just get sloshed. I, you're Do you notice that things. Steph and I get progressively messier as the episodes go on? <laughs> you thought this was water you thought this was improv it's yes. just vodka it's just vodka it's just vodka <laughs> no, no 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 that's a good thing i hope i hope listeners have made a drinking game that's fun and good i know that's what i anyway, want for the it shows how much you enjoyed the show yeah right just had to put that like out you enjoyed it every line is a good one yeah what's your Maybe current favorite saying, line but um yeah more uh So I just like really put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that <laughs> every circle has no points. Yeah. I think that no I don't know points. that I could say that I have like a new favorite. Um, but yeah, just really, I've been really thinking about the fact that Alina says we could have had this. You just didn't let us. And just really I know that you read this as, that. Ro- as romantic. But I feel like it, she could also have meant it as like, we could have had the political statecraft handled to get rid oh, of the Oh, I don't fold. care which, I mean, yeah, I, of course I want it to be romantic. We could have employed like, asymmetric statecraft to take care of this. Oh and now God. you're sending Pragmatic. us into direct conflict. I mean, yep. so of course I would like it to be romantic because hashtag flowers in the field. But <laughs> if it were, if it all it could be was... Uh, yeah, political dynasty to bring down the fold. Great, I'm here for it. Yeah, well, but and, and he, as he disavowed, know. he disavowed the first option, the romantic option, because of his reaction to the second. Yeah, his way or the highway. That's right. But as we'll see, as we'll see, that there there is at least I not even I can deny it. There is at least some kind of. I'm not going to use the word romance necessarily, but there's some kind of pull, sexual pull, to say a word like Steph says it, sexual. There is a kind of sexual. there is a kind of thing going on there that yeah, yeah. we'll get to. Is that your I'm horny song? <laughs> Well, you know, hotel, motel, holiday inn just seems appropriate, right, for Pipple. I love it. I love it. Amazing. Uh, that can be yeah. 
we just like mash that up with the really lovely theme song that that Nate made for us when we discussed yes. this. <laughs> bum 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 bum. Bing bum. Bingy bungy. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. All well, right. that's me. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love you. Thank that's you. That is the takeaway. Oh my gosh. Steph, I I want to stick on this theme of, if it's okay with everybody, I want to stick on this theme of agency because that's where my head has been at as well. Um, and not to make you feel too much like you're in your oral exams, <laughs> but I'm really interested in how you think about... My butt just clenched. Oh, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> unclenched. Unclenched. I'm really interested in how you think about the sweat we can't help. I'm sweating too. True. How you True. think about agency as a concept, like you, as something that you are hoping that Alina will embrace more of. What does it look mm. like? My first thought uh, is in line with. Um, I'm looking at my bookcase real quick for a time. Boop boop, apparat. Here. Oh, it's actually. <laughs> I believe it's um, Karen Barad's Meeting the Universe yep, Halfway yep, yep. is my favorite form of agency. Um, she calls it agential realism. Boop, boop. Um, thinking about you as an active, intra-active agent in the universe. So it's kind of looking at how you compose your universe, like being within the universe and making the universe at the same time. <laughs> so not really, it's kind of autopoesis, but more like a sympoesis where you're making with. Hmm. So I'm interested in agency in terms of how you compose reality with the things you're interacting with. So looking at something and influencing it as you're looking at something um, or thinking about uh, how different realities can be made, therefore, um, based on different experiences that you bring into making that universe by observing it and engaging with it. That's how I think Hmm. about it. So kind of like a making with mm-hmm. rather than agent in the sense of like a subject and object being completely separated. Mm-hmm. It's like composition. It's a chorus. It's a chorus. Yeah. yeah I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. How about you, Sam? Why did you ask? Um, butt clench. Butt clench. No, I unclench. Mm. I've been um, thinking <laughs> about our discussion in Betrayal of the Waffle House about Inej and her relationship with Kaz, um, and I mean that that our conversation. Yes, our conversation there, like that, hits for me all of my favorite buzzwords: um, hmm. agency, power, coercion, strong female character, pathos. Like it's it's got all of the stuff that like really gets mm. me going. Um, yeah character dynamics, how to sort through uh, friendships, relationships when you have um, different vested interests that one character holds over the other. Um, mm. So I don't, I, I've been sifting through, well, okay, so a recap of that conversation is that um, I've been interested in Kaz and Inej's relationship from in for my own purposes as a friendship although you know you know um (laughs) don't do it i know don't do it they're gonna do it don't do it (laughs) i love it (laughs) holiday um and for me there what i'm gonna keep calling friendship 
and not romance but you know i'm prepared to be i'm prepared to be told off by the writers of the show um what i really (laughs) i see their friendship as being a a positive force Mm. in the world of the show and i think steph the edge that you were bringing is like we've got to we've got to think about the kind of complicated underbelly which is the fact that kaz is not just her employer but controls a lot of her livelihood yeah um and that that should that should inflect how we think about their relationship whether or not the whether or not we want to stick with the terms of the show um or not and i've i've been i've just been thinking about your comments there um and i've been trying to come up with why i think why for me it will end on an upswing i think mm-hmm. um and i don't have any answers but i i wanted to go back to the scene in i think it's episode six the one where the darkling and kaz have the confrontation is that six i think so i think so yeah i'm ready yeah. to be edited correctly later um <laughs> there's there's a each of the crows has a confrontation with a member of the darklings crew they're like mm. trying to all find alina um who has escaped the little palace and that is when inej decides to kill for the first time which is something that is outside of her ethics um inej decides to kill a person who is going to kill Kaz, which is something that is outside her system of ethics to murder. And I've been trying to think about our conversation about what kind of agency Inej has in this relationship with Kaz, given that he controls a lot of her livelihood. What kind of agency does she have? And how does thinking Mm -hmm. about her as primarily not having agency in this relationship for me um take some of the emotion or pathos maybe agency i don't know yet out of this decision that she makes to kill to protect him um then that's really that's where i'm at with that like there's something about like if he is if he is if he's only someone who holds X amount of power over her, then that act doesn't have the same meaning as as deciding to kill because you want to save someone you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been I've been trying to think about how to reconcile those two things. Yeah, that's a great. Um question and I think actually you asked what my definition of agency was and I went with my more recent version Mm -hmm. but even earlier in this episode I was talking about agency as a matter of what kind of choices you can make so I feel like this might be a blend of those two situations Mm. where I'm looking at Inej and Kaz Inej I looked at her agency thinking about what choices can she make what choices are she is she allowed to make 
So the baseline one is she can't make a choice to leave. Uh, if she did, that would negatively impact her life. She could be killed. Um, he holds investment over her head. Thinking about more of the agential realist version of agency, she is composing this relationship by making that choice. She's showing that she cares for him. I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to bring, I'm trying to reconcile my two definitions of agency because I think that might be what's happening with your question. Mm -hmm. Like, she can make these choices, but uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that that is working how I needed it to. Sam, but it is complicated. I'm not really sure if this gets to your point, Sam, but hmm. I would suggest that if she didn't care about Kaz, if their relationship were merely about the professional, we'll say the professional side of things, that she would not have made the choice the that she did. The coerced profession. Yeah, coerced profession. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that if it were just about, you know, if it were just transactional in that she's working for him until, yeah, her... Yeah her um indenture is yeah. paid off if it were just about that she wouldn't have made the choice to kill and so right it would in fact Inej, be in her interest for him to be dead it would be in because, her interest yeah sorry go ahead it would be in her interest and then also because she is a character who has a very strict and then strongly formed i think we could say moral and religious yeah. code that yeah. she consistently chooses to live by. Yeah. I think it would yeah, have been yeah. kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> she she wouldn't have killed that in Bernie yeah. cuz you know the she it would not have been a worthwhile break in her code right to kill the Inferni if she didn't care about Kaz and then also there's the very real added benefit that like she could just escape scot-free from right. here um, yeah i totally agree i feel like i i'm this this interaction sticks for me because i don't want i don't want to lose sight of that the depth of the decision that she makes in that interaction because i think that that's a really important moment yeah. for her as a character like i, I kind of want to cling to that to that as something that I think is important for her, three-dimensionality as a character. Yeah. And I don't think we have that without the friendship element. And so I don't I don't know how to reconcile the two competing readings, interests, whatever we're calling them. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's just life, right? <laughs> like People are informed by competing narratives and realities and uh, conflict yeah. of interest all the time. And you only get a moment to make a choice. Yeah. So in that moment, her choice was, Kaz, don't die. Yeah. So she has to kill, I suppose. She does make the choice to save Kaz. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line, yeah. for sure. Yeah. In the um, same way that she makes the choice to let Alina go. When yeah, Alina's that's right. Released from the yeah, trunk. that's right. Um, right. You know, and she tells Kaz at the end. You know, she needs she needs me more than you do, but still ultimately decides you have to go with Kaz. 
Yeah. Hmm. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just am, waiting for it. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the... The romance oh, shoe the to romance. drop. Ugh, I'm gonna be... The I'm romance be... shoe to drop. I love God. that bitch. <laughs> just a gross, dirty fucking shoe. It's a worn just... out, smelly shoe. <laughs> the little rose tied to one of the shoelaces <laughs> it's that pair of chucks you've had since middle school when you stopped foot growth oh my god just always moving with you no matter where you i don't know about you guys dropping. but when i was in middle school those converse were like all the rage and i oh, hell yeah did not have a pair and was like i would be cool if i had a pair of these shoes obviously I'm trying to figure out if Sam's trying to show us that she's wearing some now. Because <laughs> you lifted your entire computer and leg. <laughs> no, no. I'm just trying. My oh, knees okay. are old and uh, oh. they needed to be stretched. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, they were. They st- they have um, yeah. a resurgence. They did. They have constant resurgences. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that romance shoe, I I also don't want it to oh, drop. Oh, it's going to drop. That is just going to be... We're going to have to talk a lot about that. Yep. I'm sure. When that I'm, does happen. I'm fired up and yeah. ready to go about that one. Same. I, I'm ready to scream into the void. Let's sink some ships here, Steph. <laughs> Let's sink ships. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. We are cannons. Yeah. Um, any... Either of you, any closing thoughts on... The crows. I don't know what they're gonna do with Matthias. He's just gonna be Matthias. 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 Ma- yeah. Matthias. He's just gonna be in prison, like in an icy prison, and like. I'd like him to be a little less sexist. That's all I have to say. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, where I we landed. Can work on that's that. That's where I landed too. Writers, take note. <laughs> if you're gonna have him joke about it. Yeah, I'd like. I'd like to be able to admire this handsome actor on screen while not also vomiting internally because he's so sexist. Yeah, fix it. Oh, yeah, I I wouldn't uh, unless they write it out. I wouldn't uh, hold, hold my your breath. breath on that one. Great, love it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, no more jokes about. Oh, he's sexist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> shirts off. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be. I was thinking back to when you were talking about Nina, um, just laughing. Yeah, that he's. Sexist. I don't. I mean, what else is she supposed I guess to that's do? A thing. <laughs> Besides run for the hills yeah, I guess and not eat waffles. A- another reading of that is, I guess if you're sexist in this day and age, it's just laughable. <laughs> Stop. You're way behind. Yeah, do your homework. You're, Catch you're up. You're hilarious now. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was, this is sort of a minor point, but I was appreciating the fact that the outfits that the female characters are put in are not overly sexualized in this show. Hmm. Wouldn't you think, like, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of ladies, like, throwing their cleavage around for no reason, right? You know, in the Waffle House scene, Nina's wearing a blouse that, you know, does not show any skin, and that makes sense because it's very cold. And it's so, very wow. cold. Weird. Would you want to cover up when it's cold? <laughs> You're not heaving cleavage at every moment of the day? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to be clear, right. I'm okay with ladies having cleavage and oh, yeah. to enjoy their cleavage. Um, as we, yeah, as we all, I think, agree. Oftentimes oh, yeah. I it mean, gets, it gets I'm, used as an object as opposed to a thing that it belongs to a hu- real human being. But, right. Yeah. 
if Nina wants to wear her low cut dresses, fine by me. Right. As long as she chooses. Yes. I'm as much of a fan of cleavage as the next person. Don't get me wrong. More, I was happy to see that, like, female characters are not just being put in overtly sexualized clothing, like, just because. Just because they can be, right? And, you know, they... Nina is wearing clothing that makes sense for the context, right? Which is that, you know, they're in a cold place. Um, yeah. Because Give I think that it woman a jacket. Yeah, exactly. It could have, you know, <laughs> easily gone. I mean, we have enough of, you know, things with the, like, you know, shivering in the cave motif. Uh, you know, blankets in a cave motif. You know. I mean, arguably, right. Sydney, I hadn't thought about this before, but arguably we get more male body objectification yeah. in this show. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean Mal's taking his shirt off. Um yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not Sadly, going as far as to say the show is objectifying men, but I feel that like the if one were going to make the an argument uh, an for argument. yeah, for body objectification in the show, then it would yeah. the stronger argument is for for male bodies. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Just, I guess they know who their... Audience is. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, whoever you are out there, however you identify, you're, you know, we just, yeah. we just want some abs. Yeah. In an ideal world, I guess we could have a healthy mix. Yeah. Equal opportunity. Not just equal opportunity. Right. Sex for positivity bodies. for all bodies. <laughs> of all kinds. Yeah. For all kinds of people. Smorgasbord. Yeah, a smorgasbord of sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I I I see where you're coming from. It's kind of like the the armor argument mm-hmm. for the uh, body types and armor. Often boobs are out, and that makes no sense. Right, exactly. Given that if you're wearing armor, you want to have parts covered. Right, exactly. So like, if it's cold outside, you want parts covered, yep. probably. Yep. If you're going into battle, you probably want parts covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I boiled that down a little too much. No, I like it. (laughs) Break it down. Break it down. Yeah. 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 Interesting. All right. Well, thank you listeners for joining us for this wrap up episode. Um, We have, for the time being, more or less, finished uh, (laughs) sharing our thoughts on just the TV series. Yes, we finished sharing our thoughts on just the TV series. So we've held you back for too long, Sydney. I know. We're going to take We're going to release now. you. We're going to release you wait. into the podcast. I can't wait. <laughs> yes. We're going to take a break to go read the books. Uh, and then when we come back for the second half of the season, we'll be talking about the books and comparing them to the TV show. So you have not heard the last about the TV show, but we will be able to talk about all of the things. Does this mean that we're actually going to do our research? It what? does. Uh- does oh, it? No. It does. Uh, I mean, we're not necessarily going to do outside reading. Let's yeah. Could, let's come up right. with a with a, an agreement on. Yeah. The syllabus. I mean, I can't. I can't be held responsible for <laughs> any fan that. theories that Instagram throws my way. I mean. Ah. Ooh, but that's where the fun stuff is. Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah. So I can't. Topics wait. for discussion include, but are not limited to, agency different forms of agency what's gonna happen to kaz and an edge could she have maimed the inferni 
Could she have not yes. killed yeah. him? <laughs> Will she kill again? Ooh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Then we have the love triangle. How's that going to shake out? Will there be more waffles? Will there be more waffles? I'm going to make waffles. Mm. Wait, yeah, I want waffles now. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> But looking forward to talking about all these things and more as we read for them in the books, etc. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Can't wait. Stay tuned for when we come back and reveal all of the answers and spoilers. That's way too much pressure. I I can't reveal. I'll just bring swear words. Yeah, I'll bring the waffles. (laughs) Steph will bring the swear words, and Sydney will bring the answers. Oh hell yeah! All right. All the YAs is a podcast recorded and produced by Steph, Sydney, and Sam. But we couldn't do what we do without our many collaborators, including Stella Bowman, Pam Locke, Olivia Milroy Evans, and Cecilia Christman. Our theme music was composed by Nate Kuhn. Our cover photo captured by Sean Malik, and our logo designed by Lara Musser. And many thanks to you, our listeners. Contact us at alltheyas at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love getting your questions, comments, suggestions, and any shit about YA that you think is funny. Thanks for listening.